Today is Matt's birthday, and he chose not to be here with us. But he does listen to the uh, sermon service as it's recorded. So I would like to take this time now if we could sing happy birthday. I'm not going to lead us. That's going to be Debbie. So if we'll just sing this, I hope that Matt will get a big kick out of this when he listens to the service. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Matt. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Am I worried? Is that coming through? Okay. It's good to be with you. I'm Steve Lawson. Uh, this is the first time, usually I'm the preacher that goes away, and uh, somebody comes in and, and preaches in my absence, and then I come back and hear everything that happened while I was away. So uh, it was exciting to hear you sing to Matt as he's on vacation, and I hope he's having a great time. And uh, it's good to have the children with us in sanctuary today. Uh, as I was thinking about that, of course, my wife being a teacher was uh, uh, prompting me on making sure certain things happen with the kids in here, especially a relatively direct sermon. I was thinking about a time that I, I heard about. Uh, they had this where usually in their church, children went out for the whole service. And one Sunday, all the kids were there. And the little boy was sitting with his dad, and uh, they had a big choir, and the uh, church started, and the choir stood up and did a call to worship, and the little boy tugged on his dad's coat, and he says, what does that mean? And his dad said, well, that's the choir calling us to worship. Oh, okay. A little while later, the music director got in the pulpit and called everybody to stand and, and begin to worship. What does that mean? We were all uniting our voices and praising God. Oh, pretty quick, four guys come walking down the aisle and grab some plates. And the little boy, what does that mean? Well, we're going to give our offerings to the Lord, thanking him for the blessings of life. Oh, then the preacher got in the pulpit and he undid his watch and set it on the pulpit. And the little boy tugged his dad's coat and says, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so you don't have a clock back there. And I have to look at my watch that way. But we'll, we'll, we'll get done in appropriate time this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to read just the first three verses of this message from the Apostle John. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Let's pray. 
Father, as we come to your word today, I pray that your spirit might speak to us. Lord, use me an instrument of your grace that I may share the truth of your word. Remove error from my mind that would have spoken today might enlighten us and guide us in our service and our glorification of you in our lives. We ask it now in Christ's name. Amen. As God created us, one element in that creative uh, being is that we can't choose our parents. You know, uh, if you look at yourself in the mirror, you might see your dad's nose, uh, you know, or ears, or you, know, you got your dad or mom's hair. You know, for me, genetics. You know, my dad and I share uh, an issue with uh, cholesterol and heart conditions and all that. And every time I talk to my mom and go to the cardiologist, well, that, that's from your dad. You know, and uh, but you know, you can't choose your parents. They're there, and in our relationship with Christ. We are given a heavenly father. And that relationship instills in us certain elements that are from him. And we need to claim that. I titled the message today, God's Privileged Children. And um, there was an outline in the foyer. If you didn't pick one up, on your way out, you can take a test when you get home. Because there's fill in the blanks. uh, How well you listen today. But uh, if you didn't get one, they're there. But, you know, this... The, the idea of, of being a privileged child of God is a wonderful thing. One of the great blessings of being a pastor is the opportunity to go to the hospital and rejoice with the family in the, in the birth of a newborn baby. And you know, to go in and, and visit a mother with her, with her baby right after the birth. And the joy and the look in the mom and dad's face. And looking at this child with wonderful possibilities ahead of them. The other great joy as a pastor is to be with somebody as they pray a sinner's prayer. And they receive Jesus Christ into their life. And to see literally in their face and in their demeanor a newness, a change, a rebirth that occurs when they receive Jesus Christ. And the joy of looking at them and realizing the possibilities in their life. Because it doesn't matter what has transpired before, because now they're a new creature. And it, it still amazes me. I, I went to Berkshire, and one of the guys in my freshman class, his name was Jeff Hoy. And Jeff had been in the Navy for a number of years, and he had received Christ in his last tour, or his last hitch on the ship. And, and you know, he, he was very honest to tell. He said, I was as far from a Christian when I was in the Navy as you can possibly be. But what amazed me was when he received Jesus Christ, he had already read through the Bible multiple times within the year. He had such a hunger for God's Word, and, and Jeff was brilliant. He had a photographic memory. He was the guy in class that, that broke the bell curve. You know, for those of you that, from college that had to experience that. But that whole element of possibilities in his life and how God was going to use him was exciting to see. So as we look at this relationship that we have as children of God, we need to realize that great possibility. So as we look at these three verses this morning, first I want us to start with the idea of what we are. Uh, John opens up here and he says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. We are loved. Very first element here. To realize and experience that. For a child in a family, 
One of the greatest gifts we can give to them as a parent is for them to know they are loved as our child. Doesn't matter what they do, doesn't matter if they make an A or B or C or D, they're loved, period. Well, as believers in Christ, God wants us to know we're loved. John opens up here and he says, see. Now, if you, I think it's the NIV, it says, look. It, it's the idea of amazement. It, it's the same verb that he used, or uh, introduction that he used when Jesus walked on the water. And he's saying, look. Here he's saying, look at the love God has for us. Now, that should cue us into the idea that this isn't that, you know, rolling over in the morning to your spouse and saying, I love you, in a matter-of-fact way, that she already knows that. But John here is saying, look at the amazing love that God has for us. John has just switched in the previous chapter that we have from the struggles that we are facing with the world to a relationship that we have with God. This love from God is an agape love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love of God. It is a love beyond this world, a love that we cannot possess apart from God. To truly love unconditionally is something that is imputed to us as an example and an empowering by the Holy Spirit in our lives for us to attempt to love that way. The Father has given us an out-of-this-world love. And as John says this, he says, look, amazingly look and examine that love. And that's what I want us to start with this morning. The idea that ye, you, I, am loved. We are loved by God. Salvation begins with God's love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, God loved us. Now, the kids are in here this morning. I want to cue in just real quick here for them to say, Your parents loved you before you were born. You realize that? Your parents loved you before you were born. They, they used to, to talk to you. Before you were even born. They thought about you before you were even born. That love came because you were a part of them. But God loves us in this agape love while we were sinners. He loved us. Before we even came into the family of God. Before we were an, we were an enemy of God. He loved us. That love extends to that point. So much so that his son came and died for us. This love, this unconditional love, calls us to action. Calls us to realize God loves me, period. Now, we should never take this love for granted. We should never sit back and say, God loves me. Kind of go back to the scripture that said, because of God's grace, should I just continue with sin that grace can abound? You know, and the, the, the apostles says, certainly not. The reality is we shouldn't take God's love for granted. We shouldn't say, God's going to love me anyway, so I can go ahead and do this sin. No, we should realize this love calls us to action, to respond to that love. It is an awesome, unbelievable love. And the power of that is so free. The idea 
There is nothing I can do to make God love me less. Now wrap your mind around that. There is nothing you can do to make God love you less. And the flip side of that is there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God loves you, period. Swallow that love. Let that get into your mind. That's what grace is. God's extending that love in spite of Steve Lawson. God loves me in spite of myself. God loves me, period. So then, we are loved. And we are called children. We're called children. Um, Here it says that God has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Not merely a part of the family. Not a part of the group. Not brought in to be Israelites. Not a, a, a proselyte that converts to that. But we are called children of God. In, in the Roman concept of adoption, an adopted child is a full heir. They are literally brought into the family and there's no distinction between the two. They are a, a part of the family and we are part of the family of God. Calling him father. Calling him father. Uh, yesterday we got back from Blowing Rock and we were sitting kind of collapsed, recovering from the trip, and uh, my wife had me watching Hallmark movies, and we were, we were watching this Hallmark movie, and this mother had assumed and adopted a, a child of her husband, and he had left, you know, it's one of those long things, and at the end of the movie, this child has finally reached the point of accepting this woman that he said, you only married my mom, you're not my mom. The end of the movie, he looks up at her and says, I love you, mom. And it was like, there was that connection. And I think that's what John is saying here is, you are called children of God. You call God Father. Another place in Scripture, we cry out, Abba, which is Daddy. That intimate relationship that we have with God. We are a part of God in a very real sense. That relationship has come together. We receive from Christ a new nature. Kind of theologically looking, this idea that that we receive regeneration. You you go back and and receiving Christ, we are regenerated back to that relationship of Adam and Eve with God. And, And that DNA of God is rekindled within us. So that we have a relationship with God that goes beyond just a commitment. It's a connection. It kind of goes back, you know, when, when I was growing up and I would go away to a youth rally or go away to camp or go away with school or something. And my dad would have the talk with me. He'd sit down and he'd go, now remember who you are and who you represent. Because whatever you do, it reflects on me. Because you're my son. So when we come to know Christ, that regeneration is the idea that we are a part of God. We are regenerated in that. There's also an element of sanctification. That as we come to God, that God begins to work in us. And and I had those points of sanctification in my life growing up as a Lawson. Those points usually involve me going in my dad's room and him having a belt and him creating a sanctification moment. 
You know, for me to realize those, those elements that this is who I am and what he expected. Well, in our spiritual lives, we are regenerated. We are now a part of God, but there's sanctification. Where those who God loves, he disciplines. Anybody experience God's discipline of sanctification in our lives? Of making us what he wants us to be? That's when you sit back, and and now I look back and I thank God for those dances we did in his bedroom, you know, with the belt. And I look back in my own spiritual life, and I thank God that he loved me enough, and he still loves me, that he brings discipline to make me what he wants me to be, in a very real sense. In In this element, John says here, for this, were, for this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. The world cannot appreciate this relationship and what it means to us. The world can't appreciate the legal tenure of Romans as it talks about adoption, nor can it appreciate the personal relationship that we have with God. This DNA that, that regeneration creates in us. That we are not only committed to God, we are a part of God. God is a part of us. So as we look at the world, it's not just the element that they can't live by biblical standards. They don't know God like we do. So they can't appreciate that. And John says here, they can't appreciate that relationship. That God has shown us his love and shown us his love by the cross. The last element here is that we are misunderstood by the world. They can't understand what this relationship means to us. You know, for, for them to think, those guys get up early on Sunday morning and go sit bored to tears for two hours in worship. They can't appreciate that we come here because we want to glorify God. They can't appreciate our decision-making that calls for us as we decide about a car or a home or a job or disciplining our children or making big decisions in our lives or who we vote for is all tied to that relationship with God. They can't appreciate that. They can't appreciate the struggle that we have day-to-day in our love and living by biblical standards unless they experience a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then they have that regeneration, that sanctification. So we see then who we are. We are loved. We are children of God. We have a relationship the world can't appreciate. So then, Paul now switch, or John switches in, in verse 2 here to what we will be. What we will be. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. What will we be? Well, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We can can look and see in our lives God working. And I think there's two elements here. First off, there's an element that when you see somebody come to know Jesus Christ, you really don't know what they're going to be. Um. We haven't lived here long enough yet for, for Becky, our daughter, to come. But if Becky and Karen were to walk into this church, there would be no question whose daughter she is. Okay? And the, the longer she lives, the more I see that. Karen just spent three weeks with her mother, and she kept saying, Mom would do something, and then I would do something, and she'd go, I'm just like my mom. Okay? 
You know, and, and the reality for us, we don't know yet what we're going to be, but we know we're going to be like Christ. That's our ultimate goal. But as we look at each other, you know, as you, as you look at, at your son or daughter, you know, you don't know what God's going to do with them on, in, in this world. You know, if you went back and talked to my school teachers at Savannah High School and told them that I was a preacher and that I got in front of people every Sunday and preached, they would laugh at you. You probably could have talked to my college uh, speech teacher and she'd have laughed at you. Okay? But, but God had a plan for my life. And, and it wasn't clear early in my life what God was going to do with me. But God has sanctified and used me. And as in Corinthians, it says, we see through a glass darkly, unable to see, but God knows. The other element of this is we don't yet know what the kingdom's going to be like. You know, you have people all the time asking, you know, what, what, what's it going to be like when Jesus returns and we go into the kingdom? You know, and you have a lot of people speculating, you know, streets of gold and uh, big pearl gates, you know, and, and I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I, I kind of relate it to the definition of God that, that I, I heard in college in theology. It says, God is that being greater than which nothing can be imagined. Now wrap your mind around that just a minute. God is that being greater than which nothing can be imagined. My, my description of what the kingdom of God is going to be like is the kingdom is going to be that glorious place greater than anything you can imagine. Because if God created this earth and this universe in six days, and Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and he's been working on that place, it is going to be awesome. I I remember growing up, one preacher said, it's going to be church every day. And and, And being a young boy in church, I went, oh, no. You know, I grew up when those Advent Christian preachers could really go for a while. You know, oh no. But it's going to be church where the pews aren't so hard and we're not limited in what we can take. It's going to be a glorious. Have you ever experienced worship where it was so exciting and so elated you didn't want it to end? That's what it's going to be like when we worship God in His presence. It's going to be a great place. It's not clear yet. So I'm not going to sit down and try to speculate and say, you know, the streets are gold, the pearls gates, you know, all this is going to be, and the food's going to be this, and our relationships are going to be, I don't know. But it's going to be awesome. It's not clear yet. But we will be like him. I think we can go back to the, uh, the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and you know, it says that God would come down in a relationship with them before the fall and stroll with them in the garden can't even imagine what that must have been like. In this beautiful garden, no thorns, you know, no thistles, no, no mosquitoes or flies or anything to bug you. Just walking in the presence of God. I think we're going back to that pre-fall relationship. But even beyond that, we're going to experience a relationship as Christ has with the Father. We're going to be like Him in that relationship of growth together of being in in that glorified state where sin is no more so john says here we are going to be like him 
So let's keep our eyes affixed to that hope. It's not concrete. If you're like me, you know, I, I, I like to have a picture. I like to have a list. Can't give you that. But it's my hope. It's what I'm longing for. If, if as I live on this earth and I, and I face the struggles that we face and we go through all the situations and I say, but this isn't home. I really shouldn't be comfortable here. Okay? You know, we, we, we spent a few days at Blowing Rock and we had a great time. We stayed in, in uh, the mission house there. Uh, and, you know, we, we were on the floor with Travis and um, uh, Chris and their families. And we shared a bathroom. And the mattress was not my mattress. You know what I mean? Uh, Karen and I were laughing last night. I said, my mattress was way too soft and it was good to be back home. You know, and, and the reality was I drove into Hampton Road and pulled in and, and, and immediately my bed was calling me. You know what I mean? For us, let's have our minds focused that this isn't home. We're here and God is blessing us and God can give us joy and excitement and worship and great relationships. But home is the kingdom of God. Let's have our hope fixed to that. Let's have our hope fixed to what God's going to do in our lives. Have you seen that computer program where they, they, they take a child and they age them to see what they're going to look like when they grow up? Yes, it's, it's, it's a great program. Or, or they'll take the parents and they'll blend their faces to make them look like that, you know, to, to what this child is, is going to be. Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad, you know, according to what you got there. But when my grandson Aiden was born, and I first looked into his face, okay, and my mom saw this, Karen saw this. He is my father made over. He's got loss in eyes and just his whole personality. And, and I'm talking two or three days old. You could see this. So the reality is he's growing up. I'm watching him. Seeing those characteristics come out. Now, he's got some of his father in him, too, and, and, and you know, we see that. But he's there. For Jackson, my other grandson, he's just like his dad. You know, when his dad starts talking about it, I say, you can't say a word. He's just like you. You know, it's right there. But when we say here, let's keep our eyes on that hope. As we live in this world and we struggle, I keep my eyes realizing that, that the Holy Spirit's working in me, making me like Christ. And that hope for the kingdom is that when we enter into that, we're going to be like him. I'm going to be happy to sit in worship and praise God for a million years. Because we're going to be like Christ and that relationship is going to be there. The promise that we have. Taking into account in this, that through that regeneration, we now possess a DNA of God. Use our current criminal psychology here we have the dna of god our lives and what it's going to be like no sin no death no limits in possessing the character and the body and the relationship of jesus christ and all i sit back and say and looking at that is wow what a future amen amen children of god so then we're loved 
We look at what we're going to be, not only in, in the sanctification, regeneration process of this world, but the kingdom element as well. So then, as John says in verse 3, what should we be? What we should be. Look at verse 3 with me. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That is to say, in our lives now, we are to be living this hope. Living this hope in our lives. Knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, you are a child of God. That's a Billy Sunday quote. And I hope you've got that. I know that I know that I know I'm a Lawson. Okay, because I'm just like my dad in a lot of ways. I'll be around some other Lawsons and I realize that. But in my faith, I know that I know that I know I'm a child of God. And I can rest in that. And I can live that hope in my life in a very real sense. In verse 29 of chapter 2, John finishes up, they're talking about our struggle, in this idea that, that God is righteous and those who follow him practice righteousness. That is to say, we look like him because he is righteous and that DNA, that regeneration, that sanctification makes us practice righteousness in our lives. So we are called to live with that hope in Christ of him working within us. And realizing in this world, it's not about us. It's about him. Again, going back to that idea, there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And I'm able to surrender to the grace and mercy of God that works in me. And in the struggles that I face, it's not a matter of me being better. It's about me surrendering and let the Holy Spirit Give me victory over sin and work in my life. It's about God's grace in me. It's surrendering. So it's living that hope. And it's purifying our life. That everyone who has this hope purifies, frees himself from contamination. That word purify is a cleanliness of heart, soul, spirit, of thought, word, and action. A purification. Purify means for us that we must totally surrender to God so that by His grace we may separate ourselves from all that defiles. And this word that, that John uses here is in the present tense. In the idea, it's an ongoing element. You never reach the maturity to say, I'm purified. Because God is always working in me, making me what he wants me to be. We read about Jesus, we gain an appreciation of his character, his integrity, his wisdom and strength. And now we have his righteousness. We strive to live purifying ourselves, seeking to be like him. Wanting to be like Christ and live in that way. Putting off the things of this world. I'm going to date myself here real quick. Some of you will remember this. Some of you go back home and Google it. At one point, a talk show host by the name of Phil Donahue. How many remember him? Oh, good. Better than half. I'm doing okay. Was interviewing Billy Graham, which was a great interview. But in the process, of course, Billy Graham, being Billy Graham, 
shared with him. And Phil Donahue made the statement, I'm going to squeak in to the kingdom because compared to the rest of the world, I'm good. To which Billy Graham responded, that's not how it works. Okay? And this idea of purification for us is we don't want to be pure compared to the world. We want to be pure compared to Christ. Because you can probably be pure in your own strength compared to the world. Just being good. But you don't have a chance to be like Christ unless you're leaning upon the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We desire to be pure like He is pure. Striving in that. Living for God's pureness in us. So where does this take us? What's our application here? What we are, what we will be, what we should be, are all key questions we should live, live in our world. It should always be in the presence of our minds. Uh, in, in reading for this, I, I ran across this illustration of a teenager that, that went out and, and had gone out with some friends, and as the evening was bearing down to the end, his, the, his friends decided they were going to a bar. And he said, I can't go to a bar. And they began to tease him. They said, you don't want to go to a bar because you're afraid your dad will hurt you. And to which his response was, no, I don't want to go to a bar because I don't want to hurt my dad. And that's our relationship with God. Because when the world sins against the commands of God, they sin against God. But when we sin against When we break them, we're hurting our Father. We're hurting our Father. That's our relationship with Him. Living out that relationship to God as our Father is how we live our lives today in this world. Now, I want to end this with two acronyms. One's theological and one's more personal. And they're both the acronym CHILD. So if you picked up a a flyer, you'll have that. If you don't, you can write it down somewhere if you want to remember these. Okay? The first one is theological. The C is that we are chosen by the Father. Realize that. God chose us before the foundation of the world, and He sent Jesus to die for us. We have a home. In God's house. Now, since I've grown up, when I left Savannah to go to Berkshire, my parents lived on Mississippi Avenue, and they moved to the other side of Savannah on Sugarbush Road. And it didn't matter which house I went to, it was still home. Okay? And in our relationship, even though I've never been in the kingdom, when Jesus comes back, and we are ushered into that kingdom, I'm going to be home. And in this world, theologically, I have that mindset, I have a home in God's house. And the I here is that I am imprinted with the likeness of God. I'm imprinted with the likeness of God in my life. And the L, I'm like Abba. I'm like dad. 
I like it when somebody says, you're just like Wayman. It's my dad. It makes me feel good. But it makes me feel blessed when somebody says, I see God in you. And then the D, we have the very DNA of God. We are regenerated with that relationship with him. That's the theological element. When we say we're children of God. Now here's the personal part. Back to child. C. We are cared for by the Father. God doesn't just look at me as a peon in this big world that's a part of the group. He looks at me as his son, and he cares for me in a personal relationship. I am honored as a child. I am honored as a child. The I is we have an intimate family. Anywhere I go. I go to Russia. I can't speak the language, but when I go into a church in Russia, I have an intimate relationship with brothers and sisters with Christ. In Honduras, in in Africa, Jeff goes all over the world, and everywhere he goes, he has an intimate relationship with the family of God. That it's tied to God's love. The L, I am loved unconditionally by God. Nothing I can do to make him love me more. Nothing I can do to make him love me less. Because his love is perfect and complete. And then D, I'm devoted in life to that relationship. I am devoted. I love that word. It's an impassionate word that I want to live for him. I want to leave you with this. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 18, living your life. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. It's great to be part of God's family. And we celebrate that. And we should live that. Father, as we come together, we have entered this sanctuary, and Father, we sit here with the children of our church, and we look at them, and, and we wonder what the world's going to be like for them, but even more so, what God is going to do in their lives. But we also see that in ourselves. And Father, I pray now that we will never forget we are children of God, sons and daughters that have been brought into the home, that have been brought into the family, that are loved unconditionally. And may we live that way in a real sense in how we live. Bless us now. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.